episode. Again, never researched this. It's always a great start, isn't it? Forty something. Forty-five. Forty-five is it? I'm glad you're here. Forty-five. 45 I looked that's beforehand. What... Nice. Well done. I'm, I always forget every week. I'm like, fuck. I should have read better one. Forty-five. If that's what people do, as always, Ryan is here. You've already heard him. Hello, Ryan. Hello, hello, hello. Hope you're you all doing? well. Yeah, are you doing well in this coronavirus era? I'm, I'm doing well, I'm doing well. I've got a nice extended weekend, a couple extra days for the weekend, which is great. I've just found out. So yeah, it's been all good. Hot, but the weather's nice. hot. I've got my car MOT booked in for Saturday and it won't start. Your car won't start? No, no. So um, I put my key in, I turn it, it won't start. Nothing. Radio turns on, everything else turns on, but the actual engine don't turn on. I have to turn it about five, six, maybe sometimes ten times to actually get it started. So I've had a little look uh, and I don't know what's going on with it. So hopefully it works on Saturday morning for my MOT and it passes. I swear you had that problem before, didn't you? I I did, but this is a different problem now. (laughs) Right. Well, the MOT will probably sort that out and charge you an arm and a leg to fix it. No, no. I'm just hoping it works on the day. I'm going to try and wing it. Anyway, yeah, that's me. Nice. Having a car that doesn't work. Good. Good. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. We're and you're, you're keeping busy? Yeah. I helped um, rebuild a shed. So, that's the only productive thing I've done. Which is very manly. Yeah, a bit of DIY. Look good as well. So, yeah. That's uh, that's good. Just waiting for everything to reopen now. We're almost through May. May's almost done. Yep. So, a uh, little update. We did a little Corona update, uh, like a whole episode last time, didn't we? Um, yeah. So update time now. We are we've got mm, nearly all of our McDonald's are open. Yeah, for drive-throughs and Nando's delivery. are opening for takeaway. Yep. Uh, KFC is mostly open now. Yep. So we've quite a lot of our fast food restaurants and chains we're, have started to open. Everything is slowly starting to reopen. June we'll see more things reopen. Yeah. Um, we and had... July will be the big one. Yeah, July's going to be the big one. Uh, although you wouldn't know we were still in lockdown if you were just wandering around the streets. The beaches are I, absolutely oh, packed. I uh, went for a walk the other day, and I've never seen so many people out ever, like ever. Yeah, it was everywhere yeah. was rammed. Well, I live along the coast, and so South End is not that far from me. South End was uh, making the rounds on social media the other day because it's absolutely swamped, packed, thousands of people all on the beaches. No one's able to socially distance because there's so many people that you cannot do it. And yet when asked, they've all said, well, if Dominic Cummings can do it, we can do it. And if you don't know everyone, Dominic Cummings is the chief advisor to our prime minister. And uh, the, the rules are if you or a member of your family has symptoms of coronavirus you are to stay in your house in self-isolation for up to seven days a maximum of 14 days if you don't have symptoms but someone else does instead of isolating mr cummins his wife and his four-year-old son drove all the way up 250 miles to durham which is in the northeast to go stay at his mother's house for a period of time which would break lockdown rules and then uh, when they were like okay you could go home now if you want to go back to london he decided to do a 60-mile round trip to a castle um, in the northeast to, quote, test his eyesight because he's uh, apparently coronavirus could also maybe affect your eyesight as well. And he was concerned that he might not be able to make the 250-mile journey because his eyes might play up. So they then did a tester, tester drive with his son in the car. So if he had not been good to drive, he's put his son in danger again anyway. But either way... The issue I have with it is one... Either he's just lying and went to the castle, or two, he needs his child taken away from him because he's fucking putting his child in danger by putting him in the car. 
Exactly. He put his child and his wife in danger. If anything, he should have drove on his own for maybe 10, 15 minutes, just around the block. He's put his child in danger twice, because why the fuck would you want to get childcare for a child and say, okay, we're, we're going to look after you. This is the best thing to do for my child. We're going to put them in the car with two people with coronavirus for 260 miles. Yes. That makes no sense. That's fucked up. Yeah, it doesn't at all. Um, so, yeah, Dominic Cummings naturally should have been fired or should have resigned as other... Uh, members of uh, government have done so far if they have broken the the rules they have resigned in fact in Scotland one of the chief medical um, advisors who his job is to actually help get us through this whole debacle she broke lockdown rules and she resigned she's more important than an advisor Mm. and yet she stepped down but our Prime Minister Boris Johnson has decided no I'm going to step behind this man He's not going anywhere because he tells me what to do. And if he goes, I've no fucking clue what I'm doing. So he's yeah, still in exactly he's still in the picture, which has pissed off everybody. And I mean everybody. Uh, to the point where the Prime Minister's popularity has now gone to minus one in the polls, which is stupidly low considering it was like plus 14 beforehand last week, I think. Um, and now it's also meant that everyone's just gone, well, fuck it. It clearly ain't that bad because if Dominic Cummings is allowed to do a fucking 250 mile round trip, then I'm allowed to pop to the shops and go to the beach. So it's all fucked it up now completely. Yeah, not good. Not good at all. Anyway, let's move on from coronavirus, as I hope we will with our lives eventually. Beep, 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 beep. That was your corona update. Beep, 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 beep. Back to the pod. So last week at the end, if you listened, uh, you'll remember that I mentioned conspiracy theories. I had a little bit of trouble not researching them, but trying to get it to fit within the boundaries of our podcast. So what we're going to do is we're going to do something else. And then at the end, we're going to talk about a few conspiracy theories very briefly. Which so is good. If you are, so, you, so you can skip to that if you want, but you might want to stick around to listen to the first bit as well. Yeah, man. Because the first bit's going to be good. What are we talking about? The first bit is The Great Escape. Um, if you haven't heard about the great escape it is uh soldiers who were in a nazi pow camp who would just tunnel out and just go back and forth and the nazis had no fucking clue which is and also if you've seen chicken run chicken run is based on the great escape chicken run is based on the great escape and the movie the great escape is also fantastic also based on the great escape also based on the great escape right so uh, I got basically all of my research from history.co.uk. I'm going to start quoting my sources. Lovely. So thank you, history.co.uk. I feel like they know their shit. So on the night of 24th of March, 1944, uh, one of the most audacious uh, acts was carried out in World War Two. It was the mass escape of Allied soldiers from the Starlog Luft Three camp, Ooh. which was a, a Nazi camp. I hope I pronounced that right. Starlog Luft 3. It has III, so I think I, ne- I never heard the name of the camp. Like, whenever I've seen a film or anything like that, I've ju- I've, it's just a camp. Yeah. Starlog Luft 3 is the name. I suppose they just gloss over it. Probably don't really matter. Yeah. Where was it? Is it in Germany? Uh, It says German prisoner of war, so I think so, yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, here we are. So, uh, 100 miles southeast of Berlin. Oh, so it is in Germany. Oh, it's in it's in it's in Poland. Sorry. Oh, okay. Good old Poland. Yeah. 
So, uh, in the film, we'll try and cross-reference a little bit. In the film, they show that there's, it's mainly British people. Uh, in reality, there was a lot more Americans in the film let on. It, there was a lot of American airmen. Oh, okay. Because it's a British film, isn't it? The Great Escape. Yeah, it's it's, it's heavily British. And it's always classed as like one of the greatest British escapes and so on and so forth. But, but no, have... there was a, a lot of Americans. Yeah, but they have Steve McQueen in it. And Steve McQueen is quintessentially American. So he represents every American by being in the film. Yeah, maybe that is exactly what they were going for. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, you know, in the film, they they you see things like motorcycle jumps over the barbed wire fences and all mm-hmm. that. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. There wasn't a big chase as, scene. No, as cool as that was, <laughs> it didn't happen in real life. Damn. Was that just Mr. McQueen flexing his... Petrol head. I think so. I, I think I think when they were making a film, they were like just watching a couple of guys tunnel out. Probably won't make a good film, so we need <laughs> some cool stunt jumps to keep everyone occupied. Yeah. Okay, so the camp was. It was like the the soil was kind of loose and collapsible, which made it very difficult to tunnel out. Because obviously, if you're tunneling under collapsible soil, the chances of the tunnel just collapsing around you and killing you was quite high. Yeah. Um, there were elevated prisoner housing to expose tunnels, so the Germans had thought about it. And there was also microphones around the perimeter of the camp to pick up any noise from underneath the ground. Damn, they're good, aren't they? Yeah, so the Germans knew that people might try it, and yet they got away with it. So it's that's what makes the that's what makes the escape great is that not only were they on raised platforms, i.e., you could like crawl underneath the the huts, and and the floor was collapsible and they had microphones around to hear almost everything and they still did it yeah it is good old ingenuity so the main guy was uh raf squadron leader roger bushel excellent and he was the one that conceived the plan in 1943 Mm -hmm. so a bit about bushel he was shot down in dunkirk everyone from everyone knows about dunkirk but in case you don't we'll briefly go over it i think we have in other episodes uh at the start of the war the germans were pushing all the allied troops back and back they were winning they were winning and they pushed all of us back to dunkirk which is a beach uh on the north of france and uh churchill devised a plan to get lots of civilian boats to go and collect our soldiers he wanted to get thirty thousand men actually ended up saving three hundred thousand. it's quite good yeah if you want to know more about it research it watch the film good film no oh, the film is fantastic so yeah, he was shot down during that. Uh, I'm assuming he was kind of the Tom Hardy character. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would, oh, that would make sense. Yeah. Oh, it's like uh, it's like an extended he, universe. Yeah, you could just carry on Great Escape from that film you and could. Tom Hardy as this guy. Yeah. So he was transferred to Star Luckler Three in uh, 1942 because he'd already made two escape attempts from previous camps. Hmm. So he was a. Uh, he was renowned for it. It's kind of like Jack Churchill, where the Germans just kept transferring him because they couldn't be asked to deal with him anymore. Yeah, man, that's so funny. They're like, oh, just move him. Put him in somewhere he doesn't know. <laughs> like, fuck's sake. Just let someone else deal with him. Yeah, he's getting too powerful here. So he planned in uh, his third camp, Starlog Glove 3, he planned an escape. And to quote him, three bloody deep, bloody... Three bloody deep, bloody long tunnels will be dug. Tom, Dick, and Harry, one will succeed. Nice. So they were going to build three tunnels called Tom, Dick, and Harry, <laughs> and one of them will work. 
Yeah. If you, is that where the saying Tom, Dick and Harry comes it from? Definitely, no, it's not. It's not. But if 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 uh, for those of you that maybe aren't British and you're not aware, Tom, Dick and Harry is just a very generic uh, British slang term uh, to sort it's of like, mean any old thing. Yeah, like say you're trying to, oh, any Tom, Dick and Harry could do that. Yeah. Like anyone could do that. Yeah, or like, um, I don't know, they've been hanging out with any old Tom, Dick and Harry. Just the, the people are meaningless. It's just the fact that they've been hanging around with anyone. I don't, it doesn't matter who they are. They're just very generic names. Yeah. It's a very common phrase, actually. I use it quite a lot. Um, in my, in uh, my I'm not from life. London, so I don't really. Do you think it's a southern thing? I'm though? aware of it. Uh, it's a Cockney rhyming slang. Oh, so it is a southern thing. I didn't think. I just genuinely thought this was a, a generic British slang thing. I didn't realise it was it was a southern. I, I think it's gone across the country. People know about it, but I think in London it's used more. Interesting. Yeah, well, I use Tom Dick and Harry quite often. Yeah, I don't. I just say anyone. Anyone. Because it's quicker. <laughs> yeah, but it's not as fun. No. So we've got we've got three times. So... We've got Tom Dick and Harry. We have Tom, Dick, and Harry. So, the Americans that I mentioned earlier, uh, at the start of the um, construction of the tunnels, there was over 600 prisoners involved in making them. Wow. A lot of these were the US airmen, and they acted as lookouts and helped build, etc., etc. However, they were transferred to another camp months before the escape actually took place, oh, man, which so is annoying. probably why the film depicts it to be British. Yeah, yeah, could be. So, obviously, there's a lot of people involved, and all it takes when a lot of people is involved is one person to blab. So, uh, Bushel threatened to court-martial anyone who said the word tunnel. Oh, really? Oh, this is fascinating, because even in prison, even in prisoner life during the Second World War, rank and all that still applied. So, you still, you'd yeah. still salute your superiors, you'd still come out for roll call every morning... You'd still have to live a yeah. relatively military lifestyle, then they'd still court martial you. That's fantastic. I love that. That's like that's such a clever way of keeping, like, trying to keep things normalized for your troops and keep morale up rather than just sitting there yeah. for the last six months being miserable, thinking, well, this is it now. I'm stuck here. Instead, it gives you someone to look to. Someone as well. to look to. It gives you more of a purpose. You're like, right, I've got to get up, I've got to roll call. And you just get up, do what you've got to yeah. do. I like that. Exactly, exactly that. So Tom, one of the tunnels, was dug next to a stove chimney in Hut 123. However, it was soon discovered by guards and was dynamited. Damn. Yeah, so that, Tom, Tom's tom gone. Dick was dug in a shower room of Hut 122. Uh, However, the area where it was meant to pop up was cleared for camp expansion, and so they had to halt it. Oh, right. So it, so originally it was going to pop up outside the camp, but the camp got expanded out and they realised that they'd pop up just in the camp a little <laughs> bit further down. So they used that tunnel to uh, store supplies. Smart. Yeah. Hidden under a stove in Hurt 104 was the entrance to Harry. And then after a whole year of construction, the tunnel was completed in March of 1944. It was dug to a depth of 30 feet to stay out of range of the microphones, so they knew. Wow. And the narrow tunnel stretched 336 feet towards the woods of the northern edge of the camp and shored up by some 4,000 wooden boards taken from the prisoners' beds. That's crazy how they didn't even realise the, the, the wood from the beds was gone. Yeah, they must have hid it so I think well. in the films, they take 
like every other slat, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. obviously the beds don't fall through. So they're not strong, but they're not going to fall through. And it, yeah, just don't and it gets them. hot when you're digging tunnels. It gets really hot underground, doesn't it? So I imagine it was unbearably yeah, hot in them tunnels. Yeah. Especially because they put electric lighting along the way to light Did it they? up. Yeah, they had electric lighting in there. It's a proper little mind These blokes are genuinely geniuses. All of them are fucking clever. Yeah, it's really well done. It's really funny as well when you think about it. They also yeah, had it's... an underground rope-operated trolley system. Yeah, that's what I wanted to bring up because it, these tunnels are not big enough for them to even crawl in, are they? They have to like roll on, uh, they lie on their stomachs, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So the it was able to move the prisoners along the two foot wide tunnel. Two foot is not big. You'd be very claustrophobic. Two foot is uh, two subways. If 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 that helps anyone. <laughs> Fucking hell! Yeah, well done. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Yeah, Think yeah. Just line up by. Buy, go buy, because they're open now. Go buy yourself two foot long, spicy Italian subways and then put them next to each other and then try and squeeze through the gap. <laughs> so they also had chambers, housing, an air pump, uh, a workshop, and two junctions known as Piccadilly Circus and Leicester Square. Very good. Love that. Yeah. I just It's just so ingenious. I kind of wish I was there. Obviously, I don't want to be a prisoner of war, but I'd love to see this like take place. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a shame that you can't that it's not preserved or anything that you could go to it now. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm I reckon there's still like remnants and stuff. Maybe. Have to look. We'll go we'll go digging. We'll so make our own one. Yeah, we'll just build one and hopefully like run into it. Because obviously like <laughs> in um World War One and stuff, people were trained for this. They uh, used to try and dig their way to the enemy trenches. Oh great! The, the the tunnelers of World War One. That is a fascinating story in itself. There, there there are stories of tunnelers from like the British side who are digging and digging and digging away, and then they'd go stop what you're doing because they can hear the Germans, however fe- many feet away, digging their own tunnel, and they can yeah, hear them towards them. I'm sure the That's stories crazy. of the meeting. I think I, I'm I'm certain there are stories. I'm not sure as to how true they are, but I've heard yeah there are stories where they meet in the middle, and then there, there are actually fights. Yeah, they don't have any weapons or anything, so they're just screaming at each other. Yeah, and like fist fighting and stuff like that. It's brutal, absolutely brutal. I think we'll look into that. Tunneling's scary, a... man. I don't know if you're oh, like claustrophobic or anything. I'm not overly, but I don't. If I can avoid the confined spaces, I will. Yeah, I mean, I remember when um, when I was a scout, they used to do this like little um, uh, exercise or whatever, and they had like really low to the ground. Uh, a maze that had like tarpaulin over the top so it was pitch black inside and you, you just literally you're crawling on your belly through these really small confined spaces and I remember that being absolutely terrifying as a kid I'm not necessarily claustrophobic and I don't mind being in tight spaces so long as I know I can get out but being in a tunnel yeah. like when it's hot and you're fighting someone uh, yeah to, to stay on tunnels and warfare um have you heard of the tunnelers in the Vietnam War? The American tunnelers. I think they're called like no. rat runs or something. It's where the Viet Cong, uh, they were really fucking good at digging tunnels under the mountains and through the land. So that's how uh, the Americans were always able to be surprised by the Viet Cong. They'd literally just pop out out of nowhere, shoot a couple of Americans and then disappear. And it's because they were using a, a very clever like an ant colony, a tunnel system. 
So they'd tunnel literally underneath the Americans and behind them, pop up, shoot them, pop back in and run along the tunnels and have no idea where they went. So the Americans... That's why That's why the Americans lost the war. Yeah, yeah. They did, just had, could not utilise the land properly. They had no control over it at all. Yeah, they um, didn't know about guerrilla warfare. But I think it's in the movie Apocalypse Now. I think it's Willem Dafoe. He plays one of these guys, like a tunneler, and it's just an American soldier who um, they, they pretty much just... Their job is to go into these tunnels with their fucking M16 guns and just hope that you don't get shot before they see, like, before you shoot them. And apparently it's absolutely terrifying some of these people went in there. Again, I'll have to look into that. It sounds interesting. Definitely. So, obviously, while constructing this tunnel, they had to get rid of the soil. And uh, I, I assume... You ever seen Shawshank Redemption? Do you know what? I haven't. You've... Whoa, whoa. Okay, I, uh, watch no. that. You need, I need you to. Need, that's what one of the films you need to see before you die but as he's digging like every day he'll like put a bit of dirt in his trousers and go out into the yard and like shake out the bit of dirt yep. i'm assuming that's what these guys did because they would dispose of the like tons and tons and tons of soil around the camp but mm. you'd obviously you'd have to like even it out so it wasn't just a pile of dirt yeah they do it in the film um you see there's like a bit of a montage of lads just walking around and as they walk they shake their trouser leg and out comes a shitload of dirt um, yeah, that, that's what happens along. in Shawshank. Ah, uh, it's the same in the movie. And then uh, there's there's a football pitch, and they're playing football. And then you've got some of the lads on the pitch of that uh, they're just shaking their trouser legs, getting all the mud and that stuff onto the pitch. You, you you don't really notice. And once it's on the pitch as well, it starts getting churned up by everyone. So that was a really good place for them to put it. Yeah. So it says here that um they also put uh in their socks as well, and the Germans let them like tend to small gardens and stuff, and they'd like dig into the soil. Ah, very clever. Mm. So the Germans made an inventory of the camp after the escape, and along with uh, 4,000 bedboards, it was also discovered that 52 20-man tables, 34 chairs, and 76 benches had all gone missing and were being used by the prisoners for the walls and ladders. Wow. Also missing were uh, 635 mattresses, 192 bed covers and 161 pillowcases which had been placed against the walls of the tunnel to muffle the sounds. Oh, for padding. That's so clever. The numbers go on. 1,219 knives, 478 spoons, 582 forks and 1,400 powdered milk cans had been stolen and used as digging tools. Whilst wow. that 1,000 feet of electrical wire had also been stolen and hooked up to the camp's main power supply. <laughs> oh, that's clever. <laughs> oh, it's, it's amazing that they didn't get found. Well, and the amazing bit is that if you do it one piece a day, like if there's mm. a, everyone does just a little bit every day, you just don't notice it. But if like a exactly. thousand, if a thousand knives just went missing in one day, you'd be like, where the fuck's it all gone? But like yeah. over the course of a year or two, you just know it. You'd never even think about it. It's mad that the Germans gave them knives. Would you give one? You wouldn't give a prisoner a knife, would you? Well, no, they're probably especially like, all of them at once. They're probably cutlery, though, isn't it? Yeah, but still, I wouldn't trust them with a knife. But at the same time, what are they, what what exactly are they going to do? You've got guns. Yeah, true. Like your knife true. is not going to outdo me with my MP40. Yeah, very good gun knowledge as well. Thank you very much. I'm a big fan. (laughs) 
So once construction was complete, the committee waited for the first cloudy and moonless night to make their escape, and that was the 24th of March 1944. They were placed into three groups based upon priority, with committee heads, foreign language speakers, and those who'd contributed the most uh, heading out first. Ah, smart. So the early leavers were dressed in civilian clothing and uniforms, acquired that they'd got through like blackmailing German guards and stuff. Yeah. Uh, they also had maps and uh, they'd also made ID papers, which they'd replicated um, by the prisoners after they managed to get their hands on a camera. Wow. They were just nicking shit from the Germans just all the time. I think as well, because they used to have... Um, one thing they were allowed to be sent in the mail were like board games, I think. Um, mm. And I think they had like Monopoly sent to them. But instead of like the pieces um, in the Monopoly set, like you got the dog, you got the hat, um, the car, they'd have like, um, you know, like pieces that would be made to use to assemble a radio and stuff like that. So it'd be like, I don't oh. know, like... Um, like a little dial and like instead of like the hat it's the dial and they would be looking at it, what's that and they'd be like oh these are the pieces for the Mon- monopoly board you can't play it without them like, oh okay and then they're like well, that, there's my dial for my, my radio sweet and they'd get things sent through to them like that secretly i didn't know that that's interesting mm. yeah because i know they had a radio as well uh yeah they they made other things like compasses and uh maps and all sorts work permits yeah the documents are cool i like that they made documents so at eight forty five p m the first man entered the tunnel and it's at this point again that like the film and real life take different paths so the film shows that the um breakout happened in beautiful spring conditions when actually it happened in the coldest part of winter in Poland, which I've been to Poland. And this was the coldest winter that Poland's had in 30 years. And I've been to Poland midwinter, and it hit minus 20. Bloody hell. I didn't realise it got that it cold. It was fucking freezing. Yeah, really, really cold. And this is the one coldest they'd had in 30 years, and I imagine it was fucking freezing. Yeah, man, that's crazy. So the ground was covered in a thick layer of slu- uh, snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as such, the exit hatch at the other end of the tunnel had frozen shut, and it took over an hour and a half to get it open. An hour and a half? Yeah. That must have been the, the some sec- of the scariest moments, because not only is it scary that you're about to make your escape, you could be killed at any moment. You then get to your escape hatch, and it doesn't open, and for an hour and a half, you're sat in that tunnel being, please fucking open, please open, please open. Yeah, you'd have to heat it up or just try and break it or something. Yeah, yeah, well, and then you can't make too much noise either, can you? No. So the next problem was that when they had got the hatch opened, they realised that the tunnel had not been long enough, and they were supposed to come out in a forest surrounded by trees, but in fact they popped up just a few yards away from the sentry tower in wide open ground. Fucking hell. So they questioned whether they should hold off, but they realised that their ID papers had been date-stamped, so they couldn't delay. Right. So a rope was run from the exit hatch uh, to be- to behind a small fence nearby. The first man out lay behind the fence and tugged on the rope to give the all-clear signal. So, like, this worked, so you could like he could watch that the guards weren't looking, etc., but it slowed things down a lot. Yeah. So, uh, in the end, the rate of which the men were escaping was now around one every six minutes, and that's only ten an hour. That's still not bad. Which is a lot slower uh, than the planned one every minute. Yeah, but considering the fucking circumstances... Yeah, at least some people are getting to... So, around 5am, the 76th 
uh, man uh, crawl to freedom, and he would be the last. The 77th was spotted exiting the hatch by a German sentry, who then set off the alarm, no way. Uh, causing panic and confusion in the tunnel and in the hut. The prisoners who were yet to escape changed back into their prison clothing, burnt their ID papers, and consumed their rations and just made it look like nothing was going on. Oh, mate, that's so fucking annoying. Yeah. So the camp commandant, Friedrich Wilhelm von Lindeneiner Wildau, fucking German name, uh, very German very name, German. rounded up every man in the camp and forced him to stand out in the freezing cold while the guards went through the process of working out who was missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the searches also happened in the nearby woods and at local points of interest and all the surrounding towns were put on high alert and the Gestapo came to the camp and assumed command. And the Gestapo are the nasty bastards. They are the secret police. Hmm. So the manhunt that the Nazis mobilised uh, was very successful, and within two weeks, 73 of the 76 men had been recaptured. Wow. Two Norwegian, two, Nor- two Norwegian, two Norwegians, and a Dutchman managed to escape. The Norwegian pair made it by train to the port of Stettin, and they were smuggled onto a Swedish ship and taken back to the safety of Gothenburg. So they escaped. Love Gothenburg. The Dutchman made it across most of occupied Europe via Ralford and Bike. Aided along the way by resistance movements, he ended up in Gibraltar and was then flown to England, nice. where he would join the RAF. Excellent, like that. What a mad, mad fucking story. That's crazy. In the in the movie, um, you got the two officers, English officers. They're going around. One of them speaks German. The other one doesn't speak much at all. So he doesn't speak uh, when when they're about. Uh, I think they're about to get on a train. And then the, the German soldier stops him and he's like, your papers, I want to see your papers. And he's like, oh, yeah, here you are. He shows him his papers. And he's like, right, okay, on you go. And then he says, have a good day. And then he t- and I think he says it in English and he's like, have a good day. And he turns around and he's like, oh, thank you. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how they get captured. It's like the scene but, um, in, um, have you seen Glorious Bastards, the Tarantino one? Yes. The scene with Fassbender in the uh, basement of the bar. That is not, I mean, this is this is nothing really because um, every single fucking scene in that movie is perfect, mm. but that is such an excellently filmed scene. Yeah, it, it's, it's just wonderful. full of tense, awkward atmosphere. The whole time you're just like, come on, come on, you've got to make it, you've got to make it. And then he's like, can I have three glasses, please? And he's like, hmm. You know, nobody in Germany holds up the, the number three with those fingers. We use the thumb, the index finger, and the middle finger. And you've used the index finger, middle finger, and the uh, wedding ring finger. That means you're English. Yeah, it's mad. It's a great scene. You expect him to be in it for so long, but he's just not. Spoilers if you no. haven't seen it. But... No. Um, watching Glorious Bastards, it's... it's um. It's false history, but it's it's fucking excellent. It's what Tarantino does best. He rewrites history to make it awesome. It's great. Um, in in the movie, um, a load of them get rounded up and are then systematically murdered. Is, is that true? Does that happen? Well, uh, as for the recaptured 73 men, 23 of them were sent to other camps. And 50 were not so lucky. Hitler personally ordered their execution. Wow. So while the movie depicts the men being killed in a single massacre, 
um, the Gestapo actually carried out the orders by killing the men on their own or in pairs in secluded locations. Just shoot him in the head. Which is a massive breach of the Geneva Convention. Well, yeah, because they're prisoners. Yeah, you're not allowed to kill them. But I think Hitler had already done enough to fucking breach the Geneva Convention <laughs> at that point. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think he'd already dipped his toe. Yeah, in, uh, if, you, in if you're going to do it, fucking do crimes. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like um, America has the three strikes and out uh, rule with cr- crime. So if you like commit two crimes... Uh, like theft or whatever and you get put away you serve your time you come out if you get like sentenced for a third crime you're put in the way for life at that point i think it is i didn't know that yeah they've got a three strikes and out so so, i say two crimes you do your time if you do a third crime and you get caught that's it you get put away for life because i think i think their argument is that well, you haven't learnt the first two times. You're not going to learn any any more times. So, what's the point in trying anymore? You're just going to get put away for life. And apparently, there are like there are cases of people in prison for the rest of their lives for just stealing like stealing a loaf of bread, like Jean Valjean. <laughs> That's interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how I got onto that. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That how I got onto that was because you were like, oh, if if you're in, you might as well go the whole hog, and it's like yeah. if you know that you're going to commit one more crime, you might as well make it a decent one. Yeah, <laughs> Robert Bank was like, it? yeah, do a fucking big one that you're going to be remembered for. If you're going to get put away for life, fucking make it something interesting. Yeah. Uh, so Roger Bushell, remember him? Or it was his plan. Yep, yep. Uh, he was one of the ones that was killed. Ah, oh, fucking hell. So he'd managed to travel 400 miles in 10 hours, which... Wow. That's ridiculous. That's stupidly Um, long. However, he was caught the next day as he was waiting for a train in Saarbrücken, a town Mm -hmm. just 20 miles away from the French border, which would have seen him in safety. Yeah, he'd been home run. Yeah. So he was so close. What a hero, man. Yeah. The commandant was relieved of his command uh, and the new commandant was so appalled with the mass murder of the escapees that he allowed the remaining prisoners to build them a memorial, which is still there today. Really? Yeah. So we have a nice Nazi, everyone. We, we, uh, uh, yeah, it appears so. Which means he defies Hitler in a way. I wonder if Hitler um, knew about the memorial. I doubt it. I doubt I it very much. I very doubt it. Yeah, he probably had no fucking idea that that was built because he he personally ordered for them to be to be killed because they embarrassed him so much. Yeah. And he was not going to suffer that embarrassment again. So he's like, have them all murdered, have them all killed. And then the other commandant's coming, he's like, that's absolutely fucking appalling. I don't like what he's done there. Which makes you think, how much other things did this, co- that this camp commandant think Hitler had done that he didn't like? Yeah, probably quite a bit. I'm, I'm looking to, at pictures of yeah. the memorial now. It's quite amazing. Is it? I'm starting to think this commandant didn't like Hitler quite a lot and actually maybe let L- him get away with a lot. A lot of Nazis didn't like Hitler. A lot of Nazis actually tried to kill him. This is true. I think we've said it in a previous podcast where um, not not all Germans were Nazis. You know, it, it, no. there's, a thing, there's a thing during the Second World War where all the Germans were tarred with the same brush and there was heinous crimes committed against German civilians and even soldiers, but particularly the Russians when they came in and, uh, into Germany towards the end of the war, because they just tarred them all with the same brush. 
like mm. hu- huge waves of xenophobia in Britain against Germans. And we even said we even said a couple of podcasts ago um, about when we, when we used to play online, play games online, Call of Duty. If you got a German kid appear on the fucking in the game, they got horrendous abuse for just being yeah. German. <laughs> You know what still I mean? So it, it, there's a bit of it still hangs around today, which is quite sad. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. Loads of Germans didn't like what was going on. Yeah. As we know, we had Sophie Scholl, didn't we? Sophie Scholl and her brother and all the university students that rose up against Hitler and uh, yeah, had exactly. their own protests. Yeah, the, the, there's loads of the... What's the film? I forget what the film called, but it's all about the plot to kill Hitler. There was an inside job, but it got foiled like Hitler. Oh, Christ. Is it Valkyrie? I think Yeah, that's the one. With Tom Cruise, yeah, 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 that's the one. Operation Valkyrie, yeah, and they tried to blow him up, and he, he, yeah. nothing happens, and he's just like, he's he's then going to the hospital visiting other people that got hurt worse than him, and they're like, I, I, I did this for you, Mister Hitler, and he's like, good, good lads, good lads, you were you were excellent <laughs> meat shields. Yeah, if only, if only. But yeah, look at the pictures of the memorial; it's quite amazing. And on the floor as well, there's a, a plaque saying this is where Harry started and there's stones going all along where it was. Oh, I like that. So yeah, you can go and see it. So Starlog Luft Three was liberated in early 1945, which saw the end of the war. Mm-hmm. And 17 months later, the police branch of the RAF launched a special investigation into the murders. Um... A task made difficult due to the Gestapo's attempts to cover up the incident. And after oh, a three-year yeah. investigation, 18 Nazi soldiers were found guilty of war crimes and 13 of them were then executed. Oh, you're too right. Although only three of the planned 200 made it out, um, of it was a very important attempt. Jack Lyon, an RAF pilot who was imprisoned at the camp at the time, said this... It did a lot for morale, particularly for those prisoners who'd been there a long time. They felt they were able to contribute something, mm-hmm. even though they were able, even though they weren't able to get out. They felt they could help in some way, and trust me, in prison camps, morale is very important. Definitely, like we said that earlier, like just getting up and going to roll call, having something to do. Yeah. So that is the great escape. And there's a reason, there's an absolute fucking reason why that is called The Great Escape, because it is great. What they did was phenomenal. I'm sure there's stories of other escapes in other camps where prisoners would get out, go to a town, have a beer, etc., etc., come back and just carry on. There's like nothing happened. Really? They just come, yeah, they just go in and out of camps. That's mad. Yeah. (laughs) I do like those stories, even with um, uh, Vital Piwetsky and his escape. Yeah. Yeah, our escape stories are great. I imagine Germans escape from Allied prisoner of war camps as well. I'll tell you, that would be quite interesting to look up on. I, mean, I have no doubts that it happened. Because obviously we're an island, so how would they have got off? They, our prisoner of war camps wouldn't have been here, I don't think. They would have been in like France and places like that. I'm sure there were, play, there were camps um, in the UK, though. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm, do you know what? I... I'm, I might have been making this up, but I'm certain my granddad, because my granddad uh, was born in and, and brought up in uh, the borders of East London and Essex, and I'm certain he had told me stories about like when he was a kid, seeing like um, like some Germans uh, like 
somewhere i can't remember exactly what it was but it was either like germans behind a fence or something or there was like a german walking down the street um mm. who was allowed to go out and do a chore or something like that I, unfortunately he's dead now so i can't ask him but what we'll have to do is actually do up and uh, maybe for a future episode find like an uh and see if like i don't know british camps did exist with german pow's that'd be brilliant. i'll tell you what i can confirm actually there was a house on my road, or actually a little bit further down my road, like two-minute walk from my house, which, if you look really closely, there's a swastika embedded on the wall. Fuck off, really? And it's because um, in the time, in the wartime, the Germans were flown over here and told to rebuild houses, and one of the Germans put it in a wall. You can't. You have to look really closely. Wow, that's fucking amazing. And that's it, that's it. You, that was it. You've just fucking sparked it. Um, my granddad told me that these... There were Germans that were brought over to help rebuild like yeah. buildings that had been bombed out and stuff like that and help rebuild. That's what they were doing. That's what he remembers. Yeah. And that was the story he told me. Yeah, that's it. He's, yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, that, it, it definitely happened then. It's fascinating. Like a lot of our roads would have been built by Germans. Mm, yeah. Oh, and, and people that live in the house at the Daniel Road. <laughs> yeah, with a swastika. There's also a house by me as well had a German spy living in it. Really? Yeah, I don't know how true that is. I'll have to do some investigating, but that's what I was told when I was growing up. Mm. Interesting. Love that. Great escape. Yeah, that is great escapes. Great story. Fucking great story. They need to remake the film, I reckon. Even though it's a classic, I think uh, to get it out to the masses, they need to make a more modern one. Maybe. Maybe. You know what kids are like? They don't want to watch fucking black and white films. It's not black and white though, but it is good. Is it not black and white? It's not black and white. I've it's got in very colour. confused. It is in colour. I've got very confused. Just watch Chicken Run. That is not in black and white. No. Great film, though. Yeah. All right. If you, if you don't want to watch Great Escape, watch Chicken Run. It's pretty much the same story. Basically. It, yeah, basically. Same soundtrack as well, really. It is, yeah. So, yeah. Um, Let's move. Okay. We promised conspiracy, so we'll, we're 42 minutes in. We'll do a couple very briefly just to get your thoughts on them. Just mm. to... Round in case people were here for conspiracies and we've betrayed them. Yeah, I think because so it's like a one. podcast in two sections. Yeah, so they're only going to be short. So number one, uh, I put forward to you that the Queen of England is a cannibal. And you're probably thinking, what? How's the Queen of England a cannibal? Well, I'll let you know. Okay. So there was a worker or like one of the guards at Windsor Castle and he was obviously there to guard the castle, etc., etc. And on his break, he went into the kitchen, and he opened a freezer, and in it was lots of body parts that he said belonged to the Queen. And it has been said that the reason the royal family lives so long is because human body, the human body, if you consume it, has healing properties. Yep. And that is how they live so long. The royal family are cannibals. Interesting. Well, um, if there's one thing we have learnt from uh, Haiti and uh, some other cultures in sub-Saharan Africa is that, yes, human body parts do have magical healing powers, which is why they cut people up and eat them and sell them on a black market. Um, I mean, there's a reason why Queen is 90-odd and why Philip is looks like a zombie still. He's been cloned. I fully believe he's been cloned. Cloned? Well, how old is he then? He's been. He's died many times. And he just keeps being replaced by a clone. But they're not even replacing him. The guy him. flipped a fucking car and survived at his age. Uh, that is a good point. He is like 98 or something like that. He's stupidly old. Uh, and he, he fucking rolled a Range Rover not that long ago and he's still alive. 
He walked. He basically walked away. He from did. It. Yeah, he actually just walked out of it and was just like, "Oh fucking hell, <laughs> what have I done?" Um, yeah, they're immortal. Yeah, this. I love that Queen Elizabeth II is currently a meme at the moment of like the fact that she's just immortal. Yeah, she genuinely is immortal. There's one. Oh, I, fucking there's up. one I shared, and it's just like it's just a picture of Queen Elizabeth just stood in an empty, vast area, and it's just like the caption is the Queen. Waiting for God to create the universe. Yeah, <laughs> she's just been here since the start of time. She has, yeah. Um, and there's like another one, you know, the dancing pallbearers in yeah. Africa. There's a picture of them coming up to the Queen, and then the Queen's face just sort of looking at them, being like, "No." And then there's a picture of them all in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless her. Um, there is a lot of conspiracy when it comes to the royal family that they're all lizard people that's a david Icke quote, yeah. isn't it that they're lizard people um but cannibals um i don't know this guard saw body parts in the fridge and all, the, like apparently when wherever she goes like kids go missing like i think there was a town in canada or something where she went and loads of kids mysteriously went missing and such things and people believe that they were taken so she could eat them Mm-mm. No, I know what it is. You know what it is. They've been they, they those kids that have all gone missing. They're her corgis. Well, she's put so it's like get out. She's just taking their brains and putting them in corgis. No, no, no. She's just putting them in a suit. Oh, so she just has kids in dog suits. Kids are in corgi suits, and that's why they're all like, "Oh, queen, queen, queen!" Like, because she obviously she feeds them at the end of the day. She's like, "Oh, come here, come here, little kitty winks." Yeah, that's all it is. Because the queen never runs out of corgis. She's always got corgis running around. Apparently, at her feet. she's not having any more. Like, she she refuses to get new ones really? because obviously she knows that she's getting on a bit, and she doesn't want to like have dogs when she's dead. Interesting. The queen. I tell you what, though, she. I'm I'm not a royalist in any way, shape, or form. I'm very much an uh, abolitionist. I don't believe that we should have a royal family anymore. But she is a fantastic person. Like apparently, she's brilliant. In fact, I I almost feel guilty saying it as I've 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 had a tea party in her back garden at Buckingham Palace, <laughs> and now I'm like, get rid of her. <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently, like she ha- she met like a Saudi king who came to the UK, met the Queen. But in Saudi Arabia, women are not allowed to drive, although I think that has changed now. But at the time, women were not allowed to drive. But the Queen, she does drive, and she loves driving and around her own estates in a big Range Rover. And he turned up, and she was like, oh, would would you like to come around my estate with me, and we can have a little chinwag? And he's like, yeah, sure, brilliant. And then she's like, in you get. And she gets in the, he gets in the car, and then she sits in the driver's seat. She's like, right, let's go for a drive. And apparently she drives like an absolute fucking maniac, and he's shitting himself, sat that next to her the whole time. <laughs> What an absolute boss! I reckon she's. I've heard. Well, I've heard she's got a very good sense of humour. I've I heard imagine that it's too, very yeah. dry. Yeah. Like you'll just be yeah, standing there, yeah, like at that. a function, and she'll just make a comment about something, and you'll just be like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. What? Yeah. Or funerals. Yeah. I bet she makes jokes at funerals. Yeah. I'd like to meet her. What's your next conspiracy? Uh, let's move on to a big one. The Earth is flat. I don't think I need to go any further than that. What do you think about the Earth being flat? I'm not entirely sure about that one because I used to find it hilariously funny that people would even consider it. But there's a bit of me now that it's getting to the point where I'm like, the fun I think is getting stripped out of it now. The more and more people start to 
claim that they believe it. I don't think anyone actually believes it. I just think they're bored. I don't see what there is to gain from believing it. Yeah, exactly. I don't understand what you get from it rather than just being a bit of a fucking nuisance and you get a bit of attention. Yeah. That's all I think it is. I think it's just attention seeking. And also, like, you can't argue with them because their entire argument is based on, oh, no, this, this NASA's fake, this is fake, that's not real, pictures aren't real. So it's like all the evidence that we present yeah. to you, you're just going to immediately dismiss. Therefore, this argument is completely oh, yeah. impossible. Exactly. Um, have you seen the Flat Earth documentary? No, I haven't. I want to watch it, though, just for, just for comedy more than oh, anything. It's an absolute treat. And at the end of the episode, they try to um, they try to prove that the Earth is flat by doing an experiment. And the idea is that, obviously... Uh, the further you walk, the further you walk away from me, you will start to look as if you're getting smaller. Mm. It's just because you're going off the curvature of the Earth, right? So their plan was: if the Earth is flat, if I put a uh, a pole with a laser on it, pointing forward, and then I go so far away, have another pole with a laser facing back, I should be able to like they should be able to meet yeah. or something like that. And this is literally, these are end credits of the documentary because they're just taking the piss out of them at this point. Um, and it's like, right, we've done this. We've saved us shitloads of money. We've bought these really powerful lasers. It's cost us a load of money to do this experiment. This will prove it finally once and for all. And then they turn the lasers on and they don't meet. And it's because the other laser's gone down a bit because <laughs> it's a curve. What, 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 what some of the people that believe it are like, well, I've just driven from uh, A to B in quite a long journey. And at no point did I curve. And it's just like, yeah, but the Earth is so vast and so big, you can't physically feel the curvature of the Earth. If you were, if we no, were on a tiny bouncy ball, then yeah, you can. But I just don't think they comprehend how big the Earth actually is. No, no, they don't. It, it, it's, it's a lot of it is just not wanting to believe it. Also, like you know, just even like NASA. Oh, that's it. Um, Elon Musk's SpaceX mm. was supposed to launch last I was night, that it didn't, yeah. and it didn't. Yeah, it didn't due to bad weather. They said a tornado was on its way, and they, for that reason, it was too dangerous to actually send it off. But um, already conspiracy theorists have come out and said, ah, no, it's just because it's not real. The whole thing's fake. Yeah, but they're going to so relaunch that's why it they, on Saturday. Uh, exactly. So they were like, oh, they were never going to launch it because it's not real. It was never going to happen, so they can't launch it. And it's like, right, okay, well, what about Saturday when it does go up? What are you going to say then? Yeah, it really doesn't make any sense. There's roads in Australia where they're so long you can actually see the curvature of the Earth. Oh, yeah. I mean, even in, um, I think it's uh, like New Zealand, they've got like um, uh, a high percentage of crashes are caused because of the way the Earth is curved at that point in the in the world. The sun reflects off the road at a different angle. So it, it shines in their, their eyes at a, a funny angle and it causes them to be blind temporarily when they drive sometimes. And they've got apparently a high percentage of car crashes are caused by that. Interesting. Yeah. So, right, we've debunked Elizabeth. She's not a cannibal, although she's immortal. Um, the Earth is not flat. It is round. Um Although it would be interesting if it was flat. Yeah. Although there's that famous there's that famous tweet from Flat Earth Society and it was like, there are hundreds and thousands of flat earthers all around the globe. And then someone's commented going, do you want to read that back very slowly? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Fucking idiots. Um, I can't really think of any more because I don't really want to get into the serious ones about like real world events because that's just a bit too deep. 
like Roswell and 9-11. Yeah, Diana, all that kind of stuff. Like, I'm sure we can have good conversations Ooh. about it, but it's just, I don't think it's worth the time at the minute. It was quite a light-hearted episode, no, well, so, well, we've people died. Diana. But... Yeah, we did go over Diana, actually, we did. Yeah. Brilliant. Let's leave it there. If people want a conspiracy episode, hit us up and we can do one. We'll just have like a special. But I just didn't think it fit the boundaries of our podcast of being about fact. Well, and people um, overall. Yeah. Um, obviously, we like to talk about a particular person, be them good or bad. Although so far recently, we've been realizing that actually it's quite difficult to find someone who is all good or someone who's all bad and that generally there is there's a gray area maybe we've, that's, we've made a massive fit. discovery about humanity whilst in this podcast no one is perfect and no one is evil well yeah i think yeah. that's fair to say nearly nearly a year in for us and that is something i think we've definitely learned is that people are not just inherently good or bad people do what people do the human condition is it's not just black or white it's very very gray almost 50 shades of yeah um, where where good people do bad things and bad people can do good things. Exactly. Um, that's one thing we have learned so far. If I was to take anything away from doing this podcast so far, nearly a year. Some people are just horrendous great. and some people are great. Yeah. Um, well, nice segue this is. Uh, next week's episode is one of those people who is considered great, but maybe is to some not so great. Uh, next week, we are going to be talking about the famous privateer, or was he a pirate, Sir Francis Drake. That's interesting. Okay, I like that. Yeah, yeah. We, we're getting a bit... We're going around the world with this one. That's I, I do like that. I was toying with Blackbeard recently, so that will tie in nicely. Interesting. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Pirates come from uh, later on in that period. I like it. Uh, yeah, I've been playing the Uncharted series again. Uh, for which uh, Sir Francis Drake features quite heavily. Mm. So I've been like, I need to find out more about this guy. Interesting. And so I've been doing a bit of research. So that's who we'll have next week, Sir Francis Drake, the famous privateer slash pirate of Queen Elizabeth I. Cool. Um, uh, right. Uh, so yes, like James said, if you would like us to do a conspiracy podcast and we can just talk about, in general, conspiracies and not any particular person in general... Um, drop us an email at that's what people do podcast at gmail.com or if you would like to you can get hold of us on the social medias um, on Instagram it's that's what people do podcast uh, or on Facebook it's at that's WPD Twitter at that's WPD um, so yeah feel free to hit us up on that also um, don't forget to drop us a little review or rates um, rate and review us on all of your podcast apps i.e like itunes google Podcasts, anything like that it really helps us grow the podcast now we've been going on for a year um, we're having it's it honestly i cannot i cannot even believe how many listeners we have so far and how many people each week tune in to listen to our episodes so for you guys thank you so much Let's help this community grow a bit further. Let's spread the podcast out to more and more people. And we do that by rating and reviewing the podcast on all of our apps. And lastly, uh, I know I'm asking a lot of you guys tonight, today, um, whenever you're listening to this, if you could, uh, it is that time of year. The annual British Podcast Awards are upon us for which we are able to be nominated and voted for. So if you would so kindly vote for That's What People Do podcast 
at uh, BritishPodcastAwards.com. All you have to do is just type in the name of the podcast you want to vote for, i.e. that's what people do podcast, and then it just asks you to verify your vote via your email address. And then it's done. It just takes two minutes. So that's all of the admin bits done. We've got Sir Francis Drake coming next week. And um, yeah, we've, we've, we've talked about The Great Escape and a few conspiracies. Thank you very much for bringing that to us, James. No worries. All right then, guys. We will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening. Farewell. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.